Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Maximilian Lineman, and that's a little piece from this artist, Chambao from Spain. And I heard about this artist from my father, so I wanted to share that with you. It's good to be back. I wasn't feeling well last week, so that's why I didn't record a podcast. But I got a, I took a lot of vitamins. Um, I went in the sauna and rested a lot. I'm back in jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai, which feels great to be back with my brothers. And with at the orchard, we're putting wood chips around the fruit trees, which you'll hear more, little, uh, more about in a little bit. And I've been eating more okra. And it's cool to see how much it's impacting my digestion. It's almost like the seeds pass through my gut undigested, kind of like aloe vera. And they come out in your poop, like these little small little balls. And it's so cool. So just wanted to share that side bathroom note. This podcast is sponsored by the Lineman School of Rewilding. And you can find us more, find more about that at the Lineman School of Rewilding.com or Instagram or Facebook page. And it's sponsored by specifically what we're calling the Milkweed Survival Camp. And it's a camp that's going to work with kids this summer in upstate New York. And we're going to be foraging, hiking, swimming, wrestling, wrestling, things like that. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have great counselors, do music therapy. We'll do some music, um, tons of great stuff. And so if you want more information about that, you can sign up at our website. So today we're going to talk about three articles. Again, that they're all going to be related to organic fruit growing, which is in a similar similar note from last or two weeks ago. Um, so the first one is called "New Fungicides for Apple Scab Control in Organic Growing," and this is from. Newsletter from Danish Research Center for Organic Farming, accepted September 2004. So apple scab, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it says apple scab is a common disease in the rose family, and it's caused by a type of fungus. And it affects many kinds of trees, but it, mostly you could see it growing and it could affect pears and apples. And it makes it makes these lesions on both the fruit and the leaf and they can cause damage to the leaf and it can, let's see, what, what, what does it say it does? Um, predicting infection, management of apple scabs. Um, it's something that you don't want really want in your, in your orchard. It says, although apple scab is rarely kills its host, Infection leads to fruit deformation and premature leaf drop and fruit drop. So up to 70% of crop losses can occur. And there are, of course, there are many things you could spray and it's a natural thing. Um, I would recommend a book from Michael Phillips called The Organic Fruit Grower. He, he just passed away. He's from New Hampshire, but he has a wonderful book about growing growing organic fruit in the Northeast. And this, this is 
really an issue here in the Northeast, and you'll hear a little bit more why in our in this discussion. Apple scab is caused by the fungus Venturia in, in aquilis. This disease is a major problem in both organic and conventional apple growing. So this is verbatim from the, from the uh, paper. The fungus winters in fallen leaves on the orchard floor, and in the spring it produces primary spores. Think about spores like uh, pine pollen, like the pollen that's released. And these are called ascospores, which are discharged after rain and dispersed to new leaves on the tree. So that's why we talked about putting down, mostly it's used in the fall, but you could, after leaf drop, um, you, you put, you would put really healthy wood chips down untreated around the fruit tree. And that will help to kind of digest the leaves quicker so that these spores can't reproduce or the spore or germinate. So the spores germinate on the leaf surface and attempt to penetrate the outer leaf layer, the cuticle, like our skin, and grow between this later layer and the outermost cell layer of the leaf. Many are organic going on. Many organic apple growers in Denmark spray preventatively just before or during rain with elemental sulfur. Whereas some of these their European colleagues still are allowed to use some of the more effective lime sulfur and copper compounds. Because elemental sulfur sometimes has a low efficacy against apple scab, meaning sometimes it doesn't really work against apple scab, the use of copper has been used. And then since 2006, it's been banned. The reason why I got into is some people think it messes with the wor uh, our worms, earthworms. Um, and, and they, they, people have used the worms to demonstrate avoidance of worms because um, you want worms in your soil. But if you have, a, if you keep spraying copper on your fruit trees, you're bound to get it into the soil where it's going to accumulate year after year. And so these worms tend to tend to go away from copper contaminated, contaminated soil. Um, this is from another paper. Soils were collected from two avocado orchards in northeastern Australia. The compost worm was used to demonstrate the avoidance of copper. So then they were talking about, actually, I think this is in the same paper. Since the initial use of the Bordeaux mixture, uh, we're going to get into what the Bordeaux mixture is, but it's something you spray onto your fruit trees. Um, it contains copper. And it was initial use of the Bordeaux mixture, like Bordeaux of France, in 1885 for plant disease control. A large number of copper-based antimicrobial compounds called CBACs have been developed and applied for crop protection. While these compounds have revolutionized crop protection in the 1900s, their continuous and frequent use also has raised concerns about the long-term sustainability of copper, which makes sense. The major findings are um, that there's a few things they were kind of contradicting themselves a little bit. They were saying there's a relatively high toxicity to plant pathogens like apple scab, but it costs, it doesn't cost as much, has low mammalian toxicity. And that's what some of the benefits. There is phytotoxicity, meaning spraying the copper can affect plants in a bad way. Um, it can develop copper resistant strains. It can accumulate in soils. And the, and in the EU, copper, the Bordeaux mixture was banned in 2006. 
The Bordeaux mixture is a mixture of copper sulfate and quicklime known as, um, and it's used as a fungicide. Quicklime. Quicklime. So it is called quicklime or burnt lime and it's, and it's white, it's caustic so it can burn. It's alkaline instead of acidic and it's crystalline solid at room temperature. It's, it's actually used as a, it was used as a weapon in over 2000 years ago in, in Rome and they, the Romans used choking clouds of caustic lime powder to defeat the army of Characatiana of Hispania, who had taken refuge in inaccessible caves. A similar dust was used in China to quest, quell an armed peasant revolt. A little bit later, when, when lime chariots equipped with bellows blew limestone powder into the crowds. David Hume in, the, in his History of England recounts that early in the re reign of Henry III, the English Navy destroyed an invading French fleet by blinding the enemy quick, um, the enemy fleet with quicklime. Which is so, this is interesting. So, it's a lot of different uses going on. It was developed, it was invented in the, in the Bordeaux region, Bordeaux region of France in the late 1800s. In the 1800s, several outbreaks emerged because several outbreaks of vine diseases occurred among the Vitus viniferia, so the wine vines, uh, the grape vines of the classical European wine regions. These outbreaks were caused by pests to which these vines lack resistance carried on vines brought to Europe as botanical specimens and of American origin. These pests, there was a few pests, and so people were freaking out because the, the they called it the Great French Wine Blight was a severe blight, and it destroyed many of the vineyards in France. There is still no remedy for it. So instead, what people are doing is using native root stocks from North America, um, and then grafting on European varieties. Apparently, there is only one European grapevine known to be resistant to the one pest mostly called Phyloxera, which it grows in Santorini. So there is mostly no resistance to this since the 1800s, which is pretty astounding. It's funny, I heard about, so they were talking about this was used a long time ago, um, but it was discovered by this guy, Miller Day. He, he was discovering the Bordeaux mixture. He noted that vines closest to the roads did not show mildew, while all other vines were affected. After inquiries, he found out that these vines had been sprayed with a mixture of copper sulfate and lime to deter passerbys from eating the grapes. And it was made to show them, it was made since this treatment was both visible and bitter tasting. So it's interesting. I don't know why these people wouldn't let passerbys eat their grapes, just that were hanging over the side of the road from these rich people that own these vineyards. I also heard about this earlier, about a hundred, was it probably about earlier, maybe a hundred years before that, when Goethe, I think in 1807, when Goethe, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, which was a big influencer on Rudolf Steiner, who 
who came up with biodynamics and um, Molsey is known for that. Goethe remarked that in Italy, people were doing the same thing. So this must be a thing in Europe people were doing. And so then they came up with this mixture and they called it the Bordeaux mixture. Going back to the article. Furthermore, several compounds from plants, but also oils, salts, and microorganisms, etc., may have an indirect effect on apple scab by activating the plant's natural defense system, uh, reactions. So they've also people have used um, in Switzerland. Uh, it was reported apple scab was was helped was controlled using what's English ivy, an extract of English ivy. And also soapwort, which was it's used to make soap, but it's a uh, was an experiment carried out in, in Germany where they use soapwort extracts to control apple scab. So that was the that was a, that article. The next article article was about the effect of spraying magnesium boron, ascorbic acid or vitamin C and vitamin B complex on yield and fruit quality of organic apricots. So this was primarily sandy soil, and this is from actually from Egypt in the year 2005. So they were saying most B vitamins are synthesized in the leaves and translocated in the phloem. The phloem is, is the living tissue in vascular plants that transports these uh, all their compounds made during photosynthesis. So when plants are exposed to sunlight, um, they go through photosynthesis and and they use this, it's this uh, living tissue where a lot of these compounds move about. And so that's how to keep it, keeps it healthy. Um, so they were, they were showing that B vitamins have, could have a good effect on the health of plants. Um, these Camino apricot trees in Egypt were grown on the sandy soil, suffer from nutrient deficiencies particularly magnesium and boron due to the high fixing rate besides the low soil fertility. Well, I'm not really sure what the high fixing rate of that means. I was tried looking it up, but it could be that you need a lot of it and the trees love it. And so if, if you don't give it a lot, it becomes deficient in it. Um, and then the low soil fertility could, could be because it's just people aren't putting compost down or it could be different re reasons so, and low, low magnesium and boron can, can affect the development of the fruits, the, the apricots. So the grape, so they, so in this paper, they were spraying on these trees, magnesium sulfate, boric acid or boron, vitamin C, ascorbic acid, and vitamin Bs in this, in that order. So there was, there was, uh, so there was positive results. Combined application, so they applied it to the leaves. They sprayed it four times. And they saw that the, the best application was at medium to low concentration. And the trees really loved magnesium and boron the most and vitamin C and vitamin B the least. But together, they increased the fruit weight. They increased the diameter or dimensions. The pulp weight increased. Um, and probably actually, I don't know if it's this percentage. Um, and vitamin C looks like vitamin C increased. It reduced the amount of sugar, 
and they have reduced the amount of acidity. So it seemed like for them, they got what they wanted. So, so that's something you could take home to your orchard where you could start spraying these on your orchard. Um, I personally have put down borax. They say I've read putting down up to 20 plus pounds every couple of years in your orchard on the ground to help with that. Magnesium, I'm not sure. I mean, he said just magnesium sulfate, um, but that seems like, that seems like, I mean, you don't want, depending on how much money you want to spend. And the last article was called Soil Microbial Communities of Japanese Apricot, Prunus Mum, an Orchard Under Organic and Conventional Management. This is from 2019 in Japan. Most of recent studies comparing organic farming with conventional farming have focused on biodiversity. Studies that perform a comprehensive comparative analysis on soil microbial properties and fertility are limited. To determine effects of these two different management practices on soil microbial properties, microbial communities were analyzed by, it's called FAMI. They were also measure, measuring total glomulin, which means glomulin is a, um, something produced by, by fungi in the soil. So if you have a lot of this glomulin, these proteins, that means it's produced, you have probably a lot of good, healthy fungal fungi in your soil. Um, and they were comparing that under organic farming and conventional farming. In their organic farms, they were spraying the Bordeaux mixture, which is interesting. So it's not, it's not uh, legal there. Um, cinnamon and garlic, sulfur at 80%. So sulfur um, is a chemical element with the symbol S and the atomic number 16. Sulfur is what you get in like onions and garlic. Next one was shrubby sephora extract, which is a different, I'm not sure exactly what plant that was. Pyrethrum flower. And pyrethrum uh, was a genus of several European plat, plat, plants, old world plants from Europe, now classified as chrysanthemum or tenacium. Um, something like those are daisies or uh, like oxide daisy and tansy, which fall into those. And they're pressed to make the, this oil. And they were also spraying castor oil. And organic or orchards showed significantly higher amounts of FAMI, these, benef uh, these beneficial fungi, total bacteria, gram-negative bacteria, or muscular mycorrhizal fungi, and glomulin. So all increasing, increasingly higher um, rates between uh, in soil soil health in the communities of the organic orchards compared to the conventional orchards. So it seems like, yes, in, in conventional orchards, um, in conclusion, in conventional orchards, you may have more yields. But over time, if you, you know, I think it makes most sense to, to go organic and and in holistic spray. So again, recommending that book, Michael Phillips, the organic fruit grower, the apple grower. Um, he has a great, some re great resources. Um, that's all I have to share with you for this week, but I really appreciate you listening. Um, next week, let's, let's hope to have some more. Um, we'll mix, try to mix it up in terms of the content, but I hope you're enjoying the organic fruit growing. And with that, take good care, everybody. It's Max from the Lion Man School of Rewilding. Thanks.